You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Letterman Lounge at Roosters on Olentangy River Road. This is Letterman Live. Brought to you, as always, by Roosters. And uh, this is going to be a busy, wide-ranging, fun, casual conversation. Not as fun as it would have been if last Monday night had gone a different way for Ohio State and South Florida. Uh, but we have a ton to talk about. Nicole Cox back with us in person. Don't have to do Zoom this week. Bobby Carpenter and Zach Bourne uh, representing the Silver Bullets. Um, I don't know where to start with that football game, so instead we're going to talk about the guy who's not over here. <laughs> Anthony Schlegel is no longer going to be a, every, a weekly presence on Letterman Live. He's the new strength coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars who also hired somebody with some Ohio State ties, and Urban Myers heading down there. Bob, I mean, this this one stings. Yeah, I don't know which thing's worse. You know, Urban going down there or losing, losing our guy Schlegel. Forget about Urban. Yeah. I just yeah. need Schlegs. You know, and this is something I think that had been in the works for a little bit. You know, when Urban was pursuing jobs, they had some conversations, and – I look back 10 years ago, he was living in Texas, he was done playing, he was training guys down there, and I talked to him and his wife, and I kept begging him to come up to Columbus, twisting his arm, and then the next step was finding a job and going into Tress's office and and saying, hey, this needs to be your guy, and he's like, I don't know, this and that, like, he'll be good. You get him up here, you get Tress, boom, what happens, poof, David Copperfield, Tress gets fired. (laughs) So then all of a sudden it's like, will he get retained by Mick? And I remember talking through, you know, with him through that tenuous process, you know, he gets, stays on, you know, he's there for another four years, national championship, and just has become really a piece of the fabric of the Columbus community. And so it's tough to lose, you know, a guy who I, you know, is one of my best friends, get to see him, you know, talk to him every morning and get to do cool stuff like this. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting a good one, man. He, uh, He's fantastic. He's going to do an awesome job. You know, he loves to impact people yep. in a positive way. You'll really bring the juice and, you know, make sure that they're in a good spot. So Urban's getting a good one, and this is an awesome career opportunity for him. There's no question that the Jaguars will be attacking and dominating next year. Nicole, I mean, what he's done with Roosters and being part of this show and eating all the mac and cheese bites in Columbus. Mm. I know, I He's know. been invaluable he, for us. He is a difference maker. He really is. His positive energy is contagious, and he is going to be a phenomenal strength coach. I mean, just his he, just his regiments of working out, and he – He's just amazing. So we just, and we're going to miss him so much just in his love of roosters. So we just need to work on getting a roosters in (laughs) Florida. That's what I was going to say. There's going to have to be one in Jacksonville. Zach, how did you not get on this staff? I mean, what's going on? Man, I don't know. What did I do? No, Urban. No, Urban and I. We had we had dinner uh, before Christmas, and Urban knows. We, you know, when I got when I was done playing at Ohio State, Urban brought up multiple times that you know he wanted me to coach and. It's just not not for me. The family business, I love the family business, love being in Columbus. Bob knows I love sunbathing in South Florida. So, you know, by coaching, I don't have that luxury all the time. But uh, back Jackson to Schle- too far up the yeah, coast. It is too far up the coast. But back to Schlegs, it's, um, you know, Bob gave the story of him coming to Columbus and, you know, Nicole talked about how much 
Schlegs means to roosters in the Columbus community. I mean, I could we could talk for 30 minutes from the Buckeye Cruise to different things that Schlegs is a part of, second and seven. I mean, where he just has so much value and brings so much value. And, you know, I remember when he was going from strength coach to the difference and, you know, going back and getting his MBA from the Fisher College of, of Business at Ohio State and then the, the morning juice and getting more into the media thing. But it all bring, comes back to me of Schlegs is meant to be a strength coach, right? He may be great at all of these other things, but the way Schlegs is with players, the way Schlegs is at building a program, building, um, uh, just elevating guys, right, from taking them to to point B to point A. I mean, Schlegs is so good at that. And I remember when we first came in in the, in the weight room at Ohio State, it's – uh, man, he, he makes such a difference. He's a difference maker. And that's why I think, you know, Bob will tell you, Urban, what he was talking about, these jobs, that's why he was after Schlegg so hard because he knows what kind of difference he can make in a weight room in a program. And he's going to do that down in Jacksonville. And that's what he does best. Yeah, he's an energy giver. Uh, we're going to do our best to keep doing it without him. He's, we can still, like, zoom him in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I yeah. feel like we should do that. I'm sure that he will. That's yeah. On mac and cheese bite Tuesdays. Well, and those yeah. NFL strength coaches don't have quite as much to do as Mickey Marotti did. This, by the way, Letterman Live is probably the only show in America that would start with Schlegel and then talk about Urban Meyer. But that's no doubt. that tells you uh, how important he was to this. So that question was, uh, before we get into Alabama and what happened last week, you know, was Urban Meyer going to take anybody else from the staff? There was you know, concern. Like, he's got, obviously, the ties to Corey Dennis. You know, Brian Hartline looks like an NFL coach maybe somewhere down the road. Mickey Marotti, Mark Pantone. It just wound up being Ryan Stamper and Schlegs. He wanted to leave. He said the infrastructure in place. So all of those fears that, that may have existed doesn't mean that there weren't any conversations maybe about that. But this is a big deal for Ohio State that Urban Meyer makes that move to Jacksonville in the NFL, and I think that it preserves his legacy that he didn't wipe out the Buckeyes on the way down there to Florida. Yeah, that's a huge piece of it because if you look at how he left Florida, I don't think that he wanted to be viewed in the same light, especially you know, he's from Ohio. He's from Ashtabula. This, and Ryan Day essentially is his legacy now at Ohio State. And with what they're able to do, it was so important to make sure that they continue to win. And you look, college you know, football playoff, national championship game, you're coming just a little bit short. And so I think he wanted to make sure that all those things were going to continue to be in place for them to have success. That's why he didn't take a college job. That's why he did this. And, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if Corey Dennis went down with him. And Ryan Stamper is from Duval County. You know, he's from Jacksonville. So that makes a lot of sense with him. And, you know, obviously Schlegs, you know, and his involvement in the program here, you know, I was, it was limited since he wasn't coaching anymore. So it, it, I think all those things worked. And when I look at Urban taking this job, you know, I think it's a chance for him to go back to Florida, you know, and maybe build a better rapport with Gator Nation. Jacksonville's, you know, it's a Gator city. It's right there. They've got the number one overall pick. They're going to be able to acquire talent and have the quarterback. You know, he has a coach or an owner that's willing to spend money, so they'll be able to have the nice facilities because they don't have that right now, and that was all built in. So basically you're 56 years old, and I think you looked around like, when is this opportunity going to come around quite like this? Oh, and by the way, it's in Florida. We have a place down there a little further south and on the west coast, but, you know, it just kind of fit, everything fit yeah. in a way that, you know what, you start looking in life these opportunities don't come around every year. Yeah, this is a perfect opportunity for him. And, and from talking to him over the past couple of months, there is no way I don't, 
I think he would ever get back in the college game, but he still has that itch. Urban is so intense. He loves the game of football, loves competing. And so there was always a little part of him ever since he left the game, probably not on his exact terms, the way he wanted to leave. Right. But I think the way things transpired at Ohio State, it kind of, that was the only option he had or thought to himself that's what he had and uh jacksonville's perfect for him he loves florida you know as bob said he's got a place in siesta key um it's close to family that's down there and um you know shelly loves the warm <laughs> weather this is a this is also an opportunity as bob said urban is so smart and always thinking he's playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers right so he looks at this job and sees the amount of picks they have the cap space that they have for next year he knows that number one pick could be a organization changing type of player and he knows that you know he wants to go down there put in some years hopefully make a couple Super Bowl runs and then kind of call it a career but this is that last final itch I feel like that he is feeling when it goes back to Raiden Ohio State there was no way he was going to do that he is in the community just like Schlegs. You see the different restaurants that he's building. He loves Columbus, Ohio. He would not go in and raid that Ohio State uh, coaching staff. And we've seen maybe on some other uh, websites here in town, some people maybe having some wrong information, thinking that he was going to raid more people than what he did. But we on Letterman Row knew, knew the whole time that there were only certain coaches that he was going to take. And as Bob said, I think we knew – all along, that the coaches he took were go- were going to be the ones, maybe Corey Dennis he was going to take, but other than that, he was going to leave everything else in place. Yeah, there was a suggestion that uh, one of the defensive coordinators might go down there. I think it's far more likely that you'll see that person retiring rather than going to Jacksonville. Yep. That's that's neither here nor there. That's just Letterman Road talk. You talked about what he does in the community, Zach. There's a picture of Urban, and I don't know, Nicole, are you in that photo? Yeah. Uh, oh, that, yeah. It's an older photo, okay. so I wish I still looked like that, but it's yeah. another. It's I mean, this is another situation where You've got to know Urban and Shelly over the years, and you know I know Shelly was out with you at the golf tournament last year. They've been a huge part of the Roosters Foundation. I mean, that's it's going to be sad they that they're are. not around every. I know uh, we are. I was. It's bittersweet for Schlegel and for Urban. I they are so wonderful, huge supporters of us. Shelly comes out to our outing every year. She, um, we have these Roosters golf skirts made by um, Bend Activewear, and um, I gave her one of them, and she wore it to the national championship game. She's like, "I have it on." I was like, "That's <laughs> awesome!" So they are so supportive of us. They've always been so wonderful to us. But you know, Coach Urban, his his mind is football and you can see it. I mean, it's, it's almost like all he knows, he, his passion for it and Schlegel, it, they're, they're both such passionate people right. that they're going to be very successful together on this new team. Um, Bob, from your experience, extensive experience at the next level and Zach, from your time getting to know Urban as closely as you did as a captain and a guy who really turned the tide in 2012. I mean, what do you guys make? How successful can he be? We talked about everything is in place for him. You know, from from my experiences around him, it's hard to envision him handling the amount of losses that happen in the NFL where you're allowed to lose. And that's my biggest concern for him is sitting in the office two years ago and, and getting a feel for the health. Like, that's real. Anybody that wants to question that uh, can, you know, go shove off and watch a different show. I mean, <laughs> that's real. Uh, and if he thinks that he can handle it two years later uh, and give it a shot, that's up to him to decide. But it was that was a real factor on the way out as part of what Zach – Part of what Zach talked about with his exit, I just I wonder how it'll translate for him, because he's not done it at this level before. You know, one of the best things that Urban does, you know, everyone talks about the off the X's and O's, the offense and all these things. You revolutionize it. 
it's structure is what he brings. I think that's why people were so worried about him taking maybe not even coaches, but right position coaches. But you know the Mickey Marathis, the Mark Pantonis, the guys who you know were able to bring in the talent, procure it, and then also develop it while they're there. Not just as a position group, but as a, as a physical athlete in the weight room. And so there, there's a huge piece of that. So Urban brings structure, and. I think he'll be able to have success. He's mellowed out a little bit. You know, the last couple of years, you kind of saw that happen when he has coaches he trusts. And the NFL, the professional athletes, all they want to know is, hey, how are you helping me? What are you doing to make our team better? What are you doing to make us better? And if you're, gonna, if you're invested and you believe that, those guys will go, they'll play hard for you because they know you're trying to get them the best contract they can. They're trying to make sure you win as many games as you possibly can. And so Urban will bring that structure into place. And if you look no further than the Cleveland Browns, they really had the same roster last year that they did this season. Maybe tweak, little offensive line improvements. But, I mean, they went from a team that was supposed to be really good to a team who actually was really good. And that's the structure that Kevin Stefanski brought. That is what Urban Meyer will be able to bring. Hopefully they'll be able to draft the right quarterback, yeah. whether that's Trevor Lawrence, whoever. Or maybe they make a trade. Who knows? But you have to have that guy. If you have all that, I think he'll be fine. Like, I think he'll have success because – all those other boxes are checked, and he'll be able to set up a grid for how to succeed you know, in the NFL. From my time in the NFL, I came to the conclusion that guys in the NFL locker rooms, NFL players, care about two things. How much money is coming in their paycheck every week and winning. Those are the two things they care about, right? And so you see some of these head coaches, um, for example, who the, the Chargers uh, – uh, Staley, right? The mm-hmm. defense coordinator from the Rams. Guy who has no experience, was coaching at D3 John Carroll four five years ago, whatever it might be. That guy coming in, might it might be a little tougher for those guys to buy in, right? When you are Urban Meyer and you are walking to an NFL locker room, it's not, be, it's not like you're at square zero and guys have to believe in you and what you bring. Those guys are, are going to walk in that meeting room and he's going to have their attention even at the NFL level. Those guys care about winning football games and they know that he can do that. Um, so he has that going for him. Yes, he's going have to have to change his ways a little bit, but one thing Urban is so good at, and Bob knows this, He's constantly evolving. Like I said earlier, he's playing checkers, or he's playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers, and he is constantly evolving. He already came out in his press conference and said he can't have bloody Tuesdays like he did in, in college football, right? He right. can't be on the practice field yelling and screaming. But I also think Urban's at a place now where he doesn't want to do that, right? He doesn't want to be stressed 100% of the time, and at the moment he wakes up at 5 a.m. and walks in the facility, he's constantly walking on eggshells. That's not the way he wants to be. He realized the NFL, you're going to lose some games. He realizes, hey, uh, you know, 11 and a five year is a great year. You're going to the playoffs. You're doing you're doing the right things. But I also think sometimes that actually is going to help him because in the college game, you have to be perfect every single week. You can't have a slip up. You have to go 12 and 0, 13 and 0 in order to make the, the college football final yeah. four and go to the national championship. And so you are constantly chasing perfection. And I'm not saying that he's not going to be doing that at the NFL level, but there's going to be some relaxation where, hey, we lose a game. Okay, let's regroup. We still have got a chance. I mean, look at the NFC East this year, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you won the conference doing that or the division doing that. And so... Um, I also think that's why Urban took this job because he realizes there's not as much stress in the NFL. And maybe I'm wrong for saying that, but I think there's some truth truth to that because you're not having to go out there and be perfect each and every week. So, you know, how does he handle the losses real quickly? And Zach yeah. touched on that. It's not necessarily the losses. I think it's what the losses represent. Like Zach said, you lose a game in college football, it's done. In the NFL, it's not. And I remember watching him in 2015 after they lost to Michigan State. 
I was worried that they were going to lose to Michigan the next week because I mean, it, it, yeah. he knew that the, he knew the national title chances yeah. were gone because you couldn't really win the Big Ten. It would be hard to get there at that point. And so I think it's more about what those represent. And hey, if you're six and two, not that those two losses don't hurt, but everything that you have, your goals, they're still all in front of you. Uh, Nicole, one of those quarterbacks that uh, Urban Meyer could build around, he's probably going to take Trevor Lawrence, but Justin Fields is now draft eligible, declared yes. on Monday before uh, our show. I mean, his two-year run was remarkable. He was, I think he's going to go down as the most, uh, probably the best quarterback in Ohio State history. You know, he didn't win a national title or a Heisman like some other guys, and he didn't get a, you know, maybe a long enough time to set the records that JT Barrett did, but just on-field work that he did, Bar none to me, he was the best I've ever seen. He's gone now. That's a big deal for Ohio State, and it's 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 unfortunate that he didn't get the ending he wanted. I know it's huge, and but I do think I wondered. I was talking with my family about it. I wonder if because Justin's coming from this infrastructure that Urban has built yeah. with the coaches and just the culture, that I feel he would be a good fit you know, for coach down there. So I'm I'm anxious to see who he ends up choosing. I mean, they both have so much talent. I guess it's more of just how well he feels he can connect with either of them to coach them. So We're not going to do Buckeye leaves this week, but I know that you had some thoughts about what happened last Monday night in South Florida. So I, I genuinely feel we absolutely deserve to be there. Right. Alabama is just, at the end of the day, they're a great team. I mean, they have the Heisman Trophy winner who was just playing absolutely incredible. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, but I, I truly felt our guys did the best they could. And having Trey Sermon out, out that first play, it was just Changed everything. devastating. Yeah. And for them to emotionally adjust and realize, okay, things are different now. And Master Teague, I felt, did a good job coming in so quickly and being like, okay, now I have to be this guy. So, you know, he had the first touchdown after Jeremy Rucker had that awesome one-handed catch, yeah. which is amazing, and he's going to be staying with the Buckeyes next right. year, so that's great news. Big pickup for the Buckeyes. Mm -hmm. Got a couple of them that are coming back. There, Munford as well decided he's going to use a – that's really one of the biggest surprises is he's using that uh, COVID gear to come back. We'll talk about some more of those decisions uh, after we let Nicole go do her, her real job and leave us <laughs> behind. Fried pickles are coming up on Tuesday. Yes, tomorrow. Mm. Yep. I mean, mac and cheese oh, bites yes. might just be forever retired. I don't know. I, I feel like we have to do something special for Schlegel with the mac and cheese bites, so I'm going to think on that. All right, we're going to let Nicole. It's like mac and cheese, but in a little body. <laughs> <laughs> a big bowl of it. Uh, yeah, it won't be the same, but uh, Nicole's. Maybe we'll just give Nicole the show instead. <laughs> we don't need Schlegs yeah. anymore. We'll go with Nicole for the full show. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Anyway, we'll get, let her get out of here. We'll be back with more Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. Roosters is one of the unique companies that we deal with. They're involved in everything we do, from our personal foundation to also the Cancer Research Fund. And that's from the Buckeye Cruise from Cancer to all the events leading up to the Buckeye Cruise. They donate back to different organizations that are near and dear to their heart. And we're so fortunate to have been with Roosters now for a long, long time. All the folks at Roosters are just genuinely kind folks, and they want to make a difference. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. All right, welcome back to Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. we got to dig into it now. 52-24, that's um, painful for Ohio State. Not what they're accustomed to, as Nicole said. That was a historically talented Alabama team. You can understand losing in that game. You can even understand, you know, not having Tommy Togiai, Tyreek Smith, how much that impacted. Trey Sermon comes out of the game. Look, Ohio State was probably going to have to play its best no matter what to win that game. They didn't, and they were shorthanded. What, I mean, what did you make of it, Bob, on, on Monday night? Um, and where does Ohio State go from here? You know, 
there's a lot of people that were like wanted firings and all these different things to happen. I'm like, you would have said back in August that you're going to play for the national championship and lose to Alabama. When you thought there wouldn't even be a season, I proposed that scenario to you, and you would get to smoke Clemson the week before. I think everybody would have signed up for that. Right. You said it's a historically good Bama team, and they went out and they played really well. And let's not forget, too, you know, I think their players got to go home for Christmas. And I was talking to my dad about this. I didn't even think about it. Like, you know, they played more of a full season, but then they kind of throttled down at the end of the year. And, you know, they played Notre Dame, beat them up pretty good, you know, and kind of pulled up, pulled the dogs off. Like, they were fresh. You could see the energy that I think that they had. And I think Ohio State was probably a little battle-weary at that point, you know, going through everything and, you know, the thought of not getting in the Big Ten Championship playing and they get in there. And then they had a huge win the week before. And not that it's a letdown, but – it's really hard to maintain that. And they obviously had the tougher road playing both Clemson and Alabama. But, you know, I looked at that and I'm like, there are some deficiencies in certain positions. I don't think any of the guys played particularly bad. Yeah. I'd like to see Sean Wade play more aggressive, sure. You know, the linebackers, you know, Tough Borland's getting beat on a triple seam by the, the Heisman Trophy hmm. winner. You know, should he have maybe gotten a little more depth? Should they have helped him out? Sure, but I didn't watch that game and thought, man, like this guy just played bad. I felt like some of them were just physical mismatches, and it was it was a bad situation. All right, for for you two linebackers, since you're here, and I've got this question a lot, and I don't know the right answer. Like, like oh, can you finally admit that Tough Borland wasn't athletic enough to play, um, you know, at a high level or win a national title? I think, why is he in that position where he's covering Devonte Smith? I mean, I, I I just thought it was more of a scheme issue than personnel. So it's a fact you've got. Uh you know, Marcus Williamson, he's playing free safety, I believe, on that player. You had Josh Proctor out there. He, One of those two guys was in the middle, and I can't remember who, but, like, they're young players. They're inexperienced. So a lot of times the free safety, like, okay, you're putting your best receiver in here at number three. You moved him from one to three, right? What are you going to do? Well, you're going to work on the linebacker. So you're going to help him. Maybe, yeah, Tough should have backed up, but I don't know how many linebackers you could find in college football that would have been able to do a significantly better job than Tough did. Right. I mean, I, I mean it's, that's just the reality. There was things that he does really well that other guys maybe struggled with. He's really good at playing the run in the box. He's not the most fleet of foot guy, but you can still win with those guys. They just ran into a situation where I think, bam, I mean, they, they had them schemed up. They couldn't get, and they couldn't get pressure. Mac Jones is throwing from a clean pocket. Yeah. You put Tyreek Smith or Tommy Togai in his face, all right, maybe that ball flutters a little bit. Tough has more room. The safety can come over the top, and there's just more things that can happen. Bob, I'll answer that question for you on how many linebackers can cover that in college football. The answer is zero. Zero. Listen, because there's co college corners. No, co there's barely any college corners who can cover Devonte Smith, right? I mean, come on. If almost every corner in the country is getting roasted by Devonte Smith, the guy wins the Heisman Trophy for God's sake. Yeah. You're having a middle linebacker cover him. Like no one in the country is able to cover that guy on a triple seam the way it is. We always talk, you and I do, Austin on Buckeye IQ about read and react. The great defenses are ones that are able to communicate well. And like Bob just said, you take your number one Heisman Trophy receiver in a three-by, I think it was a three-by-one look, and you line him up as the inside guy, hello, hey, you know, sparkles should be going off, ding, 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 <laughs> right? I mean, come on, guys. Like, everyone should be, like, you should be yelling at one another, especially it's not a full stadium, right? Be yelling at each other, hey, six is in the slot, six, is, like, they're going to do something with him there, right? He's not just lining up there to do whatever. I mean, come on. And so that's where the read and react comes into play. Great defense are able to do that. Obviously, like Bob said, you have some young guys in the back end. Who knows what the communication was on that play? They may have 
been yelling, right? And maybe Josh Proctor, Williamson, whoever was back there, saw something else with their eyes and was late on getting over there, help over top of tough Borland. But either way, those guys have to see that and react to it. And I'm going to disagree with one thing Bob said it is – they didn't have to play a perfect game. I don't want people to think here that you know, Ohio State had to play a perfect game to beat Bama because they didn't. They had to play a good game, but who doesn't have to play a good yeah. game in the National Championship game? The issue is it just looked like they ran out of juice. We talk about juice all the time. Our juice man legs, right? We just <laughs> talked about them for a while. But it was almost like they didn't have any juice. And we've, we've all been there. We've all seen it. There are just times when you just get into a game when, man, it's just – nothing's going your way. It's like you run into a buzzsaw, right? And you could tell from the very first play once Trey Sermon went out, it was like the juice was just gone. It was like they were going through the motions, and at that point, when you've got some of your starters that are out, they're not getting a pass rush on on Mac Jones. The DBs are kind of just letting guys, you know, make plays in front of them, and it's every kind of big third down they're converting, right? I mean, it was just like one thing after another where it was just more and more juice was just being taken out of them, and it's just, it's a tough uphill battle to climb, and Sometimes you just run into that. But from a talent standpoint, Ohio State can hang with Bam all day. I, I really do. I think if you play that game ten times, I literally think it's five go to the Buckeyes, five go to Alabama. And I, I'm not saying that just because I'm sitting in this seat. Yep. I think that's just the matchup it is. I think those two teams are by far, as you've seen, as you, we all saw, right, are the two most talented teams in college football, and you're going to have some back and forth, and it was just wasn't the Buckeyes' day. Yeah, I mean, it all kind of turned. You had a chance to tie 21s and – Justin Field overthrows Wilson right there on the first down in, in the red zone. Like, okay, if it's 21-all, maybe you stretch. I don't know if you still win that game, just how, how many guys you were down on the defensive line. But going back to the play that we've been talking about, the argument would then be like, well, if the de- why is the defensive coordinator putting them tough in that position? Well, so Alabama, they made a conscious effort. This was the more or less the, the game plan and the strategy, and this isn't anything I heard from the coaches, just watching it is yep. we're not going to get beat over the top. We're going to give them the underneath uh-huh. stuff, force them to drive the ball for the most part, and we're going to stop the run. And if they can dink and dunk and throw short passes, hopefully we'll be able to make the tackles, which that's the one thing. They struggled a little bit in the open field with tackling at times. But guys rallied to the ball. They ran hard. And they only had one safety deep because they had to bring the other one down to help stop the run. And, you know, they argue, well, why didn't the backers and the defensive linemen? Well, you're missing some of the best defensive linemen you have, and so you're starting to get pushed. There's leakage. I tell people, like, okay, would you rather get punched in the face or kicked in the crotch? Like, you tell me, but you're not going to be able to – Both of them suck. Yeah, you're not going to be able to stop (laughs) stop both of them. And so that's kind of – everyone to just beat on Kerry Combs. Like, this was the guy that everybody was so happy. I mean, it was like Palm Sunday with him cruising (laughs) into Jerusalem when he came back here. I mean, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. And I agree with Bob. It's, you know, I haven't talked to coaches, but from watching the game, that was their game plan, right? And when people want to talk about where this 4-4 come from, why are you going into a 4-4 with, you know, the, the Heisman Trophy winner being a wide receiver? Like, what are you doing? Well, here's the issue. You are missing defense alignment up front. You are playing with guys who normally aren't out there in your mind you got to be able to stop the run and in a 4-4 defense throwing them a different look you thought maybe putting four linebackers a game were able to fill some different gaps we're able to make up for maybe those defense linemen not being as talented as Tommy and Tyreek Smith right being able to get them some help from behind them we're going to trust our DBs in order to match up on these guys one-on-one some of these times or we're going to give them some space and hopefully bring some different pressures getting Mac Jones facing it just didn't happen right and so you try these different things it's kind of like Bob said you try one thing it doesn't work you go to the other what would you really do get punched in the face or kicked in the crotch both of them suck but guess what you're gonna go back and forth between which one's worse <laughs> and then the other piece we talk about being down D-line 
you, know, you lost Cameron Brown at the beginning of the season. Like the secondary was not, and you, so based upon you know the 2019 team, you lose two corners of the first round. Sean Wade comes back. Cameron Brown tears his ACL. You're down three of your top five guys. And you're down Jordan like, Fuller. And jo- yeah, and then uh, <laughs> I mean you're, you're down yeah. yeah multiple guys back yeah. there. I mean, Marcus Hooker, you know, they were, they were, I don't know if they had anyone else that they really felt confident in to start putting in there. They started putting Lathan Ransom in there late. and they gave True freshman. But it, yeah, but that's the, yeah, exactly to your point. Like, they didn't get, I've been saying this a long time, like, they didn't get spring camp. So they yeah, missed yeah. those practices. They didn't have a normal training camp. Sean Wade, like, the first time I had heard this uh, was before that game in the national title. He said, well, you know, training camp was great, but it was also during school. Like, we'd never had to deal with that before. Right. Like, all these changes that they had to deal with, like, they didn't and they didn't have non-conference games to play Lathan Ransom or Ryan Watts or Legend Cavazos or whoever else in the secondary. Like, it's great to talk about next man up, and Ohio State's really successful at it, probably more than anybody else in the country. But eventually – train gonna, those guys to be next yeah, man up. Eventually it's going to catch up with you if you don't have those opportunities. Yeah. And Tommy Togiai, we know how high a level he was playing at. Tyreek Smith had just played the best game of his career – Trey Sermon uh, was on another level. He was on a Zeke-like run. You take him out after the first drive. Hey, Master Teague did a great job scoring a couple touchdowns, but there were some cutback lanes to be had there against Alabama. That he oh, just for sure. simply didn't have the vision uh, you know, or the mobility to hit. There was a drop-off at those positions, and it's undeniable. And you, if you're playing against a team like Alabama and that margin of error doesn't really exist, you know, it, that, that's how things like last Monday happened. I just don't know any other way to say yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you're shorthanded, right? You're, you're playing at basically that Ohio State team was playing at 70%, right? And you're playing against a Alabama team like Bob had said that was rested, right? They started earlier in the year. Their kind of latter half of the year was much easier. It was, you know, more breaks, less games in between. You know, you weren't – let's be honest. The testing protocols weren't as strict in mm-hmm. the SEC than they were in the Big Ten. And when you're taking guys out and you're, you're showing up to the facility every single day not knowing if you're going to be able to play that week or not, like, that's stressful. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, th- th- those kids, 18 to 22-year-old guys, this is their life. I mean, th- you know, they come to the Ohio State University to play the game of football, to go on to the next not level. Not to play to, school. Not to play school, right? And so guess what? When you're coming in every single day, putting them through these testing protocols that they don't know if they're going to have the opportunity to play or not, that – that weighs on you mentally, physically. Like, it's just a long, long season. And you just saw that as time was going on. It, yeah, they got up for Clemson and they punched them in the mouth. I think there was, you know, that dis, that taste in their mouth from last year that really set them over the edge for, on that one. But, you know, and then you come back and you're like, okay, we're going to be at full strength. We got all this momentum. And next thing you know, Big Ten, ding, ding, ding. Like, hits more guys yeah. with being out. And next thing you know, it's like, man, losing D-line, losing Mayan Williams, who was coming on strong, right? Mayan Williams would have done some big things in that mm-hmm. game. Because guess what? That's your pounder. You, t- you take that Alabama defense, you wear on them a little bit, that would have done big things for them, right? But it's it's just tough. And and. Listen, I'm not making excuses for them. It's just a fact. But in, it's a fact. If you, until you are in their position, and whoever's watching this, all of Buckeye Nation wants to say, oh, that's some BS excuse, until you are in their shoes and you are living that day in and day out, you have no room to make a comment about it. All right, Justin Fields, uh, the expected decision to move on. Uh, so he didn't get that national title that he wanted last Monday night. A couple other NFL draft decisions that have been made. Um, Justin Fields is the biggest one, all right? Staying or going, doesn't matter. It was going to be the biggest impact on the 2021 mm-hmm. roster. So tell me another one that's caught your eye, somebody who is either coming back for an unexpected year 
uh, or heading to the NFL draft? Which one's mo- which one's most important to you, Bob? You know, I think Thayer Mumford coming back that was definitely a shock because it was you know kind of a COVID return, which yeah. you know we didn't. No one expected that to happen. It's just, hey, NCAA, <laughs> here's another year of eligibility if you want to come and play. And you know, I think there was thoughts that he may even have left after last, last year had his back been okay. But what that does is, I mean, it gives you the ability to like, watch Paris Johnson play some guard. I mean, they, they're going to have some really, really competitive position battles. You know, and heck, maybe maybe Thayer Mumford comes back and doesn't he even win the starting guard, job. Yeah. Or like moves him inside. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, but it's, uh, it's, it's going to be big time. And as Bama proved... They have great skill position. Ohio State does too. If you have a great offensive line, that's going to matter a lot, and that's going to make a huge difference. I think Thayer Mumford is huge. I think Jeremy Ruckert is huge, right? Um, To me, man, some of the guys that that are leaving, and and I hate to say this name, but, you know, even like a Sean Wade, you know, who who knows? Maybe a year coming back, and the last year he probably would have been a surefire late first-round pick, and who knows where he goes this year, maybe second or third round. I still think he's a great player. still think he's going to have a great um, NFL career. But maybe he's one of those guys that comes back and, you know, puts his mark on Ohio State and – this, this is my stamp. This is Sean Wade's stamp. I'm coming back for vengeance. He knows he needs vengeance. I think everyone knows that, right? And he comes back, sets sets uh, sets his future up for success, comes in, surefire first-round draft pick next year after coming in here, taking care of business, having a full offseason, because I think we all agree sitting here that COVID protocols are probably going to become less and less as the year goes on and have more time to work with Coach Mick, work on his technique, work with Coach Combs, and and – become a first round, you know, surefire top 10, top 15 pick, but I don't blame the guy. You know, we, we, listen, we all come here to play football. Bob says we don't play school, right? But that's a card. Yeah. yeah, But yeah, but you know, Bob didn't tweet that. They didn't have Twitter back then, but you know, to, to get onto the next level. And I know he probably thinks he wish he would have went last year, but sometimes things happen for a reason, man. Bob will tell you sometimes things in your career happen for a reason. And maybe he should have made a decision to come back, but that's not for me to. That's not for me to make. That's for Sean and his family to make. Well, and imagine, you know, the secondary without Sean Wade. For people that were critical of the way he played on the outside, like you brought up Cameron Brown, which a lot of people forget about. There were also two other guys who were veterans who were kicked off the team last February. That secondary was shorthanded from the jump, and the Cam Brown injury was a bigger deal. So imagine if Sean Wade wasn't part of that. What would we even be talking about? They finished number one twenty-two in the country. It wasn't good with him part of it, but they would have been in much much worse situation without Sean Wade coming back. Um, you know, his draft stock, he, he probably lost a little money, and he, he wanted to come back. A part of him did next year even uh, to chase a national championship. That's, you know, this is a guy who had one yeah. major decision that we were part of. He had left in September, opted out to come back in. He was never going to come back. The same is going to be true for, for Wyatt Davis. But it's funny how this COVID, you know, eligibility year has worked, Bob, because there's, you know, now you have, like, actual seniors like Trey Sermon, have to put out draft announcements and people that think that they might come back like guy was a graduate transfer you know got got what he wanted proved that he could be an NFL back wasn't going to come back even had you know Drew Chrisman or Blake Hobiel like you understand why these guys aren't doing it but that's also what makes their Munford's decision pretty unique and pretty cool oh yeah because like Zach will tell you when you're there sometimes you know why do guys decide to leave well I mean you're just kind of done with college you know and like right now it's different than it was 20 years ago where you could go to school and be like a normal student and play football. I think that kind of started changing around 2000, 2005, and really in 10 uh, with the advent of social media. But, 
you know, the way that these guys, they, they grind on them, they work them, they, I mean, football, it's football in school, like, that's really all they do. The social aspect has been greatly diminished, and the guys can't really go out and enjoy themselves and have a good time anymore because of the social media impact and the ridicule that they will take and, you know, just how their life has lived in a fishbowl. So if you're going to get treated like a pro, it's like at some point, I might as well get paid to do this <laughs> if you're going to treat me and, and criticize me like that. Yeah, uh, Bob, I couldn't agree with you more, right? I, the way college football is right now is like a business, right? I mean, you, it is a full-time job. You don't have the same luxuries that you do as a normal college student. You can't really go out and and have fun and do certain things because you are constantly under the microscope. Yeah. And nowadays with social media and the way that our our world's going the way it is, right? No matter what you do, you could make decision A or B. You're going to get ridiculed either way, right? It doesn't matter what you do unless you completely stay out of the limelight and you sit at home at all times and you go to the facility and you go to class. It's the only way that you're not getting any ridicule. It's because so many people are so opinionated nowadays that no matter what decision you do, if you go out and have some beers, people are going to say, why are you drinking beer, right? Or what, what are you getting for free? It's, it's People are constantly... Um, making assumptions, right? That, yeah. That's why I'm saying making assumptions because that's what people do nowadays. And so, like Bob said, if if you feel like you're at a full-time job and it is a business, which is true, it's gone that way, you might as well be getting paid for it, and that's what some of those guys are doing. All right, so the, the solution right here, I'm coming up with it. It's the whiteboard solution. Mm. The next yes. thing that, that schools need to add when they're building up these facilities and spending all that money, just put a bar in there for the guys. Yeah. Like, let, Give them a place to cut loose. Like, yep. Who says no? Let's no, get, no. Let's. I just fixed it right there. Let's get a, a, a you know, club Woody going. Uh, give the Buckeyes a place to relax. Especially would have been useful this year when you couldn't go anywhere. Hey, else. Here's what people don't realize, and Bob will tell you: after an NFL game, no matter win, lose, draw, whatever it might be, you get on a plane to head back. That plane is filled with any kind of booze you want, <laughs> any kind of food you want. I mean, there are guys that are drinking nonstop on those planes, right? <laughs> Guess what? You're a college student. You go out for beers at Little Bar or wherever it might be. Guess what? You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be doing this. They see you with a girl. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be with her, right? I mean, come <laughs> on. Let, let's be honest, Bob. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's They're just really the way it is. not really supposed to have alcohol on planes anymore, but I think it still finds its way on no, there. Uh, no, come on. Imagine that. Alcohol, yeah. life, light, like, uh, like life, finds a way. Um, this has been Letterman Live. That was all very easy for me to say, of course. Uh, Zach Bourne, Nicole Cox, and Bobby Carpenter, appreciate them hanging out with us in the Letterman Lounge. This is just the beginning of the off-season breakdowns. We could have given, gotten into all of those topics a lot more, and we will in the coming weeks as long as Roosters doesn't kick us out. Uh, so for those three, I am Austin Ward. We will see you next week right back here. Uh, for full coverage of the Buckeyes, stay with us at LettermanRow.com.